0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the BizDev Podcast, the podcast about developing your business. I am David Baxter, and I am your host, and I am joined today by amateur trapeze artist, Gary Voigt.
1: I still have that I balance, know. man. Still got it. <laughs> Get that balance? You're still working on that? The rope's only a few inches from the ground, but I still got it. Ooh,
0: nice, nice. We are also joined by a special guest, John Darbyshire. He is the CEO of Smart Suite. And he is a passion for all things no-code, which anyone who's listened to this show knows that is something we talk about pretty regularly, so I'm excited about this one. Um, he also is just at SmartSuite happens to be a, the uh, one of the competitors for ClickUp, which is what we've married, so he's going to convert me later on in the show. It'll be great. Um,
2: so welcome, John. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it.
0: So we're going to start out talking about um, the thing we always talk about. Actually, I'm going to start with this. So a couple of weeks ago, I saw on LinkedIn... Um, an image, and I'm going to describe this because mostly people are on audio. But if you have video, then I'm I'm doing cylinders. Two cylinders right next to each other. One says Apple. The other says, I'm going to get this right. I'm looking at it. Netflix, Meta, Amazon, and Google. Apple is now the size of all of those other guys combined.
1: When it comes to all that. all of you... them
0: are contracted. Yeah. Sorry, market cap. Yes, that's important. Um, so it, all of those, and that's interesting because all of those were trillion dollar companies what six months ago yeah not even a year ago and now Apple is worth 2.4 trillion which is mind-bogglingly crazy and all of those others combined are worth 2.3 trillion now of course that's change every single day but the the fact remains those guys have shrank especially I think the big one there is meta meta has just lost its shirt in the last three weeks and they just I mean they were a trillion dollar company by themselves now they're few hundred billion, which is still ridiculously huge. Don't get me wrong.
1: The metaverse has but, become the fire hose of just blowing cash away for blow,
0: just lighting a fire. It's just a big blowtorch of cash. That's what it's powered by. Just cash. Anyway, I just thought that was really interesting how they've changed. And then the, I saw an article today, and this was the real thing we were going to talk about. The real article today was Vox had a article about how Not only are the tech companies doing all these layoffs, but they're using it as a chance to kind of change their culture a little bit and tighten up their belt straps, belt straps, not bootstraps. You don't tighten up your bootstraps. Anyway, um, they're doing that to change some of their perks and some of their crazy things they've been giving away forever because now they are tight; they're blue chips, right? These guys are blue chip companies. They can't grow at 30% a year anymore. Because there are not that many humans alive. That's really where we're at now. These companies are so big that they are literally running out of humans to sign up.
1: So they're using so this big. as a way to kind of change the expectations of, I guess, new hires or current employees. New hires, yeah. Yeah.
0: When the Or, or existing, it's kind of like, hey, you don't like this change? There's the door because we got to get rid of you anyways. I mean, Elon Musk, as we've, he, I just read it this morning, he's laying off more people which, I mean, it's going to be him and uh, him. By the him and two tech bros yeah. running
1: Twitter from now on.
0: So, I mean, I've, I said to my team, I said, not that I could ever say I could run Twitter. I'm not saying that. But I believe Elon Musk's only job is to find the CEO that will be the run one running Twitter and then get out of the way. That's his only job as the owner. And apparently he just cannot do that. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. I've talked about Twitter for weeks now. So what do you think about all this, John? What do you think about all these layoffs and uh, these culture resets and all that?
2: Yeah, no, I was just having a conversation, this exact conversation over the weekend with a few of my peers. And we were talking specifically about what Elon's doing at Twitter you know, with the first big layoff that was there. I think the first thing he was, you know, that happened there is Twitter should have probably made that layoff months and months ago. They knew Elon was coming on board, so they waited, right? They're losing $4 million a day 28 million dollars a week you you can't be in business very long with those kinds of numbers so it was coming regardless if it was elon or somebody else but Mm -hmm. the second wave that happened where he basically said hey you're either on board working some long hours or this job isn't right for you i think was the culture fit that you're talking about here and that he's coming in and saying hey we have a lot of remote people I don't really understand how they fit in. Um, we all need to be together on this, probably in the same location if we're gonna fix these problems at Twitter. And I think most people understand that Twitter's got some technology problems uh, that's helped. It's it's just causing a lot of concern internally from a growth perspective and uh, that they need to focus on. So I think Elon knows that now he's been in the weeds and he's saying, hey, it's gonna take some long hours from us to get that done. And you can't do that out of the office. And I think that in general, is happening across a lot of the tech companies right now that over the last two years have hired a lot of remote workers. And some of them are finding that that's great in certain situations and in others, it's not so great. Um, And it slows things down for those companies. Uh, And it's hard to get some of those people to come back. I mean, once you're working from home, we're a remote first company ourselves. Once you're working from home, it's hard to go back in the office and even spend that 30 minutes in the car driving both ways just kills you, right? Uh, So I I, I definitely see that happening kind of across the board on the tech side.
0: Man, I tell you, I I could talk to you for hours because you're a remote company, too, which is we are as well. Now, we're much smaller than you, I assume. But we've been remote for six-ish years, way before the pandemic. And um, we have kind of been muddling along, figuring it out, right? It's not like anybody's got a playbook for this stuff. For six years. And how do we build a culture remotely? Uh, how big is SmartSuite, give just, or take?
2: Yeah, just a little on 100, under 100.
0: Nice. And you're all over the world or U.S. or?
2: We're in nine different countries. Yeah. Okay. Our so problem.
0: that's even crazier because you got time zones at the yin-yang, right?
2: It, exactly. Yeah, I think we're in like 16 time zones. Um Whew. As a
0: do you have somewhere all those clocks i've always wondered why everyone who has international offices they feel the need to have all the clocks
2: we don't have them on the wall but uh, you can there's some apps you download that just throw them in your toolbar uh, in your browser so it, it's easy and we've been doing it so long now i just know the time zones where everybody else is at mm-hmm. so.
0: very cool very cool i think going back to our original question I think it's good that they're kind of, well, part of me is kind of selfish because I'm like, well, maybe the salaries will finally come down. Maybe. I mean, development talent is hard to come by no matter what. I think it might change some of the, like one of the things the article mentioned was that these developers, and they weren't specifically talking about only developers, but you've been working for Facebook or whatever. And you knew for the last 10 plus years, they were saying the last time we've had a contraction like this in the tech space was 2002 which most of the people in the tech space right now weren't even barely alive when this blew up last time. Right. Or if they were, they were children. And so they've never experienced this. It's always been straight up to the right forever. And now they're like, whoa, what do you mean? I can't get another job in 16 minutes. That's going to change things a lot. And I'm all I got to say, I'm all for it as a smaller company who can't pay that. I mean, I I got a friend who went to Amazon. He's like, yeah, I get 200K a year. I'm like, whoa, that's insane. But that's what they can pay because they just print money, right? The money printers are out there.
2: I think that's why a lot of smaller companies, probably like yourself, like SmartSuite, we hire a lot of developers more internationally. It's harder to hire those really high-end folks in the U.S., especially Northern California, just because the price points can't fit with our business model. We would love to have them. We just can't for them. right? So we, we have to have another way to do that. And and I, I'm with you. I, I think those um, the, the salaries of the young people in the two to seven years range on the development side are going to come down because of this. And hopefully they're more attainable for the smaller companies because the big guys have just pushed. They hire those people right out of school. They pay them more than we pay people that have worked five or six years a lot of times. Mm-hmm in that domain. And it's hard for those people to ever want to leave those big companies to go to work for a small company because they feel like, Hey, I've been, I was earning that amount of money when I started, <laughs> like yeah. you're going to pay me today. So,
0: yeah, I think those, the golden handcuffs are real. There's a company here, uh, in Cary, which is a town to the South of Raleigh, um, that is it's called SAS are the, one of the largest private employers in the world. And they have what the classic golden handcuffs that, are, are, they're famous and they've been around forever. Like they have the doctor on site and they have a cafeteria on site. That's free. They have daycare that's free for workers. I mean, it's, and so they're like, people can't ever leave because right. you're never going to find that anywhere else in the world, which is great. I mean, I love that they can do that. Don't get me wrong, but now, you know, you're not going to have the yogurt bar and the, and the free masseuse and whatnot in Google because they have to actually, I, I, I wonder, though, in the back of my mind when I was reading this article, how much of that is a little, I, I call it preemptive owl, when my wife says owl before anything hurts her, right? She's just pretending or she's preparing for it to hurt. How much of this is a preemptive owl? Because they're still printing money. Google makes more money than anyone else besides Apple. Why are they going to get draconian and yet they're still printing all the cash?
2: Yeah. I'll give you my perspective on some of that. So, you know, it's very different when you've had a job for five or six years, and then you go to work for one of those tech companies and you have all those perks and you really appreciate those perks at that point, right? You never had them before. It's different when you start your career and you have all of that. It's just kind of expected. Right. And I think that's kind of what's happening is the expectation is just there across all of these things. And it's not as appreciated as much. And a lot of the companies are trying to do a reset just to get people back involved in the core culture of the company and what they're all about. And it's not necessarily the perks, right. For the job, they want you to work at these companies because you believe in what they're doing and the company that's there, you're willing to work hard and the perks are just that they're perks that make everything yeah. even better. That's there. But that, that's my two cents on some of that. Your, your there's, two cents also,
1: there's also the issue of, uh, I, We've come across it a few times when we were trying to hire, whether it's a contractor or a full-time position for devs. It seems like it's almost ingrained into their culture that after two years, you look for a different job just because you know you're going to get a price bump. So right. maybe this is another way to kind of take that down a notch so that devs aren't jumping you know, from company to company to company to company just to keep increasing their salary year over year. Yeah, Do you think that, that might have an effect or – I guess this reset on perks, packages, and salaries might have an effect on that, keeping devs a little bit more loyal.
2: uh, If you're in the Palo Alto and surrounding area, you know, and you have a good job, there's three other companies recruiting you right now. Like there's always somebody recruiting you that's there. And it's easy for you to say, all right, my I've worked my two years, my stock options just vested on year two, I'm off to the next one. And you just start collecting those stock options from all these great companies which is really cool, right? If you're young,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: But it's not cool for the company because they're always losing great talent uh, that's there. Um, yeah, I, I hope that that changes that mentality a little bit. I have to wait and see.
0: So, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna wander off the first tangent because I have a question based on what Gary just asked. Everyone experiences devs the same sort of way, like he was saying. Every two to three years they get the itch and they want to go see what's out there. We work very, very hard to minimize that itch in our company um Of course, it's not perfect. We have people who come and go, but we are i think our turnover rate's probably lower than most, but I'm curious what you do to fight that as well because that's a real problem no matter who you are
2: Yeah, we we took a very different approach three years ago when we started smart suite um trying to see if this might be the new way to do things. And I've had the chance to invest in about 400 startups here over the last eight to 10 years. So I've been involved with founders of of companies starting with two or three people, you know, and growing when they're hiring their first devs that are there. We took the approach that we picked three pretty well-known development companies. uh, One in the US that also works in Brazil that does a lot of work for SpaceX and the big guys really high end. And then a couple of companies that I just happened to find, both of them being in the Ukraine. Although I didn't look in Ukraine, I found the people and then realized that that's where they were located. Um, the value that I find from them, as if we're building something like SmartSuite, is that as I need resources with different talent to work on different things that I'm building, I switch those people out on those projects. I still have a core group of people that know our product inside out, but maybe I need a specialist in SSO. I bring that person in for, you know, for single sign on to do that piece for two or three months. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to hire somebody to do just that at that level you know, that's there. So we at, at SmartSuite, we spent the first two and a half years building our core platform before we ever announced to a single customer what we were doing. And we were able to use about a hundred developers across those three companies from mobile web and then the specialty piece to build our core product. And today we have about 45 to 50 of those core people that are that work on our product every day. And then the remainder come in each month for, you know, typically a couple months at a time based on the feature or function, you know, that we're focused on at that time. So it's a different model, but it's worked really well for us because we could really we could spin up and then we could spin down really fast as we need to.
0: So it's interesting you say that. We have a similar model, much smaller, of course. We are There's only 10 of us, right? Okay. Um, but we use contract. Now, we're U.S. only. That's a thing of ours, okay. um, that we only use U.S.-based resources. But we do a similar thing. We have our core team. We have four internal devs, and they're amazing. But when we need a, a new skill set or they're overlooked, overworked, not overworked, overbooked not overworked we never overwork our developers (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it says the guy who just had a weekend anyway um so we go and find a contractor to fill those so it's a very similar model but we still have that those core guys are super important to us right you're 45 that are your core how do you keep them from leaving i mean it's never perfect but what do you how does your culture try to prevent them from leaving i guess is really
2: yeah, I'm a huge believer in the agile methodology. I don't know if you follow that uh, in your company, but what that really means is that um, a lot of communication is what agile is all about. We're going to over-communicate and it starts off each day with what's called a standup where you take 10 to 15 to 30 minutes with a group of people. And you talk about, here's what I did yesterday. Here's what I'm working on today. Here's any blockers that I have. I do five of those meetings starting at between six and six thirty each morning, my time, depending upon, uh, who I'm talking to. I do five of those each morning to kick things off with all of our people. So I have the chance to touch every developer every day for 15 to 30 minutes where they're able to understand the vision of what we're all working on, like in their their piece, answer questions. But the big thing is you, you want to connect them to hear what other people are working on. And you want to know that if they do have a blocker, that there's just something that's in their way of getting stuff done. They know that I'm listening and I'm directing people right now in that conversation, changing priorities to go get things done so that that blocker, you know, doesn't hold that person back. I think that that's the, for us in our company, that's the first part of our culture where we touch people is that every morning, you know, during those first five meetings, I, I, I'm i able to con- you know be connected with every person in the company that's there. And then I go about, you know, the rest of my day getting real work done, meaning I'm I'm doing my piece, but it, that first mm-hmm. part of two and a half hours is the connection uh, piece, and that's served us well. We have had—I I can't even think. I'm just trying to think who, who's even left us in the last three years. <laughs> like the, developers are a unique group of people, in that you know they're very independent, but at the same time, they may tell you they don't want to know everything that's going on, but they sure like to know what all the other developers are working on see updates see demos of what they're doing it's kind of competitive so if one person is showing something off on a on a friday demo we have friday demo day it's called demo retro where we talk about hey here's all the great stuff we completed this week and then we do retro which is hey here's the things we could have done better if we did it again so we kind of go into the next week kind of with those understandings and the retro gives the developers the chance to kind of uh, pick at things a little bit say what they don't like and gives you a chance to kind of fix those but Specific to the development community, I, I've found that that's super helpful to have the stand-ups on each day and then on Fridays
1: do the demo retros. The retros sound cool. We usually just have those conversations on Slack afterward, but it sounds like a good idea that's, to actually have them in a meeting.
0: Well, our our PMs meet with their devs at, at least every other day, but usually every day, depending on uh, which projects are, are spun up or not. Um, so they're doing their own little standups. We, we, we follow a, a modified agile because we're a fixed fee shop. And so agile and fixed fee kind of fight. So we've had to kind of change it some, so it fits our methodologies, but we absolutely, we use like one of our PMs is a scrum master. Um, but we only use that partially. It's like, where can we borrow an idea from? Because ultimately agile is time materials by nature. And so, um, so we can only go so far in that, but I feel like it is time to actually let you tell us what SmartSuite is. Cause you know, you've been talking and being great, but
1: we you, haven't actually run a really officially cool started the interview. Yeah. yeah. So
0: let, let's, let's, let's interview you. How
2: about that? We'll try that. Yeah. I'll, I'd love to tell you about SmartSuite. So SmartSuite is a no code work management platform. It allows businesses to manage any business process or project inside of their company on a single platform. Right. Our vision is to, um, you know, probably in today's world, you probably have four, five, six different products that you're using each day to kind of do your job, right? If you kind of follow the analyst, that number six to eight is an average employee of, you know, as they're bouncing around changing tabs to kind of do their work each day. Smart Suite is trying to take all of those capabilities that you need across all those six to eight platforms and put it in a single platform uh, that's there and give you 90 to 95% of those features right out of the gate for you to use. Then we also- So, yeah, well, I'm,
0: just sorry. so when, I'm just trying to, ask, so when you say six things, does that include things like email or is that just like you guys trying, replacing email has been a
2: dream forever that everyone, Yep. I mean, that's brutal, right? Yeah, we, we can replace a, a big chunk of email that actually happens. And l- let me give you some of those product categories so you can maybe kind of visualize this. But at the lowest level, there's things like form builders, right? Where you're just collecting data informs maybe through your website or somewhere and you need to pass that data back in. You have collaboration tools like Slack, maybe that you're mentioning, maybe you're getting away from email and using more Slack. We have Slack capabilities built in at the record level. So as you're having a conversation or in a record working on something with a set of tasks, the conversation is specific to that group of tasks. So if I wanna find something in the future, I just go to that record and I see that specific conversation. Slack is great, but it's like a big fire hose in that you, for me, I only really remember the last two or three days of things on Slack. And if I want to find something, it's kind of hard sometimes to do that. And then, then you have project management tools where things that where you need to track, you know, people that are doing things with due dates and statuses and priorities uh, that are there. And then you have more process tools. Think of like, you know, your sales tools like Salesforce, HubSpot for marketing, Zendesk for service, Bamboo for HR. Um, then you have integration tools like, like Zapier and make and that imply and that whole group, right? And then business analytics with dashboards and things. So we give you all those capabilities in one platform. And then we provide about 200 uh, business process templates. So that if you're not sure what a best in class sales process looks like, we'll show you here's best in class, but maybe you don't need best in class. Maybe you need kind of the intermediate version, you know, that's there, or maybe you're just getting started. You want the really simple version. So across any business process in a company, I just mentioned sales, but we go across 35 categories. We'll give you those different options for what that process actually looks like. So our customers range from a couple of people to thousands of people, you know, fortune 1000 companies, and they use us to run their business. Like we're, we're the core product where they actually each employee logs in each day. And they're managing the work that each person does inside of our platform, whether it's they consider it a project or a process uh, that's there.
1: So
0: would you consider and maybe this is sacrilege and I don't mean it to be, but we played with all of these tools, right? Like I mentioned, we married ClickUp uh, a couple of years ago, Yep. Uh, but we played with all of them. Are you guys more ClickUp or more Airtable? Or, you know, because I've seen the demos and stuff of SmartSuite, and it looks very similar to Airtable, Coda, that kind of thing more than ClickUp, which is basically a very fancy task management tool, right? It's it's project management and really only project management rather than Airtable's like whatever you want it to be.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'll give you what a customer said back to us, and I use this quite often now. Uh, they said if, if Airtable, ClickUp, and Notion had a baby together, it would be Smart Suite. Meaning we bring you the best of those three product categories together. So we're a relational database type product that allows you to build out processes very similar to Airtable. On top of Airtable though, we have, Airtable has 28 field types. We have 44. Field types are when you set things up, like if I wanna track a project and I need to have a due date and an assignment and a status and these different things, we have specific fields for that. And that's what ClickUp, is all about, right? Those fields I just mentioned there, a task. Yep. Everything in ClickUp yep. is a task, but you don't always, you know, if you're running a sales process, that sales process isn't, you know, companies aren't called task, accounts aren't called task, right? So we try to blend those together. And um, and then we also provide what we call a smart doc, which is like a Google doc or a notion doc. That's just a field type. That's a regular document with all the features that's like you shared a doc with me today with the with the notes about things we were talking about, right? We have funny story. Those originated
1: in it. Notion and then they got really? moved over to Clickup. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But that that's where I think long term where no code is gonna head, and that's what the beauty of no code is all about, is that it's gonna evolve to help you manage your core business on one platform. You don't need six to eight products to do that. You don't need a Task management product that's completely different than your process products, right? Those that's just one place to do work, and that that's the goal of SmartSuite is to, and that's what we feel is unique is to bring all of that together in one platform, and that's why we, we worked you know with about a hundred dev- devs for two and a half years to build the core technology before we even announced what we were doing. Like this wasn't a I work for three to six months and release my MVP and I build on it, make it better. Like we felt that if we really wanted to solve the problem, we had to go to customers and say, we've solved it. Ninety to 95% of it is solved right now. If we didn't do that, we'd feel like they'd come back to us and say, you're just a competitor to Airtable and you're not as good. You're just a competitor to ClickUp and not as good. We have a lot of features that both of those don't have. Both of those have some features we don't, but we're, but we're, we want to be in that same conversation uh, that's there. And we, um, just this month alone, over a thousand new customers, uh, I think 45% Airtable and almost the remainder click up <laughs> those two companies. Um, and the reason for that is a few of the larger uh, content providers, video people that talk about those products have brought us on and, and produce, you know, videos about comparing us to those products. And it's just brought a lot of people to us really fast, which is fascinating. Those yes. two companies in particular. Yeah.
0: So, we're all about startups and I, so I have so many places I want to go, but we we focus a lot on, on our podcast here on startups and and getting up and running and running your small business and stuff like that. You just mentioned you guys built this behemoth of, you know, it's 90 to 95% of three of the biggest players out there, right? You can't do that without a serious amount of investment, right? So you guys, there's no bootstrapping this. This is, because you had to hire 100 devs to do it, right? So this is not, no one's writing that single check, well, unless you're just truly blessed. Um, but how, did, did you come from a background that allowed you to raise the kind of money? Did you have partners? I know, you know, once you're kind of in that space and you've done success, finding money is the easy part. I, I've I find that to be very interesting. Once you're at a certain level of your career, it's like, you just know rich people. And that's, that sounds weird, but like I have a friend, he's just, he sold his business. He's a millionaire. He just happens to have a m- other friends who are millionaires. He wanted to raise money. It took him a week. I mean, it was just like, hey, buddy. He's like, sure, here's a couple hundred K. I mean, wow. Right? I mean, so I know there's some of that. And some of the other CEOs have similar sorts of relationships with people who have done extraordinarily well. They've been building businesses for dozens of years. Is that where you fit in? You just had those contacts or- how did you get to be able to do that?
2: Yeah, I, I I put in about $16 million personally, so it's all self-funded. That helps? Uh, th- through us.
0: That's bootstrapping on a whole nother level, man. Right. That is
2: awesome. Yeah, the, and I'll tell you the story of what made that possible. So I built one of the first no-code platforms for the enterprise back in 2000, 2001, we started. The second company that started within a month of us was Mark Benioff at Salesforce. Right, Mark focused on sales and marketing processes. At Archer, we focused at the time on what was uh, cybersecurity that turned into governance, risk, and compliance. Those were the processes around how large tech companies and banks secured systems that they needed to have other people come and access, like online banking, right? Right. Um, and I looked at that and at the time there were no processes around, you know, governance, risk, and compliance. So I came up with processes just like, you know, accounts payable, accounts receivable, payroll. I thought, okay, there's the same things for GRC. And we were the first company to offer those uh, that are there. Uh, I sold that company in 2010 uh, to one of the big tech guys. They do in excess of 700 million a year in recurring revenue today. So they're, they're just crushing it. They're not crushing it like Salesforce, but... Sure. In the big scheme of things, they're... It's all relative, right? I mean, the numbers get so ridiculous. Right, right. So I had a background in no-code enterprise companies. I had worked with 75 of the Fortune 100 were customers at Archer uh, before we sold it. So I I, I had a, a background in what we're doing in the no-code space. And about three and a half years ago, what got interesting to me is was, I'd invested in about 400 startups and I had a lot of conversations with the founders about what systems and processes do we put in place in the company as we grow, we would spend as much time talking about that as we did the idea they had, and it would just frustrate the hell out of me. And I finally just said, I'm gonna go build exactly what I think people want, whether they're two people or 10,000 people in a company, it's just a process and they need these features to enable that process so they stop talking about, you know, going and buying all these different products and integrating them together. Let's just buy one solution that's there and with new technology you know that was available 3 years ago it it really enabled us to do some really unique things to make things much more performant to make our, our UI you know you know it's it's really focused on millennials and and gen zers but it's really fast you know it comes with all the color and optimization that's in there and but there's just technologies that weren't available even 5 or 6 years ago that are available now to build something really special so that's why i was able you know willing to put so much money into it initially hire all these people was we thought that this is really like the third or fourth generation no code platform that's coming out. You can, people argue, is this third generation or is it really fourth? Be, and it depends on where, you know, how far back you go to start with no code. Uh, that's a long-winded answer, but.
1: Uh, oh, I love it, no, no, I love that, it. Gary, did you have a question? Yeah, um, the app sounds amazing. I love everything you were just saying about um, building the UI for millennials and Gen Z or whatever. Um, you mentioned speed, which was the first thing that I thought of when you were talking about the one product solution for everybody immediately, just because I'm older than I look. So I've been using computers like software for quite a while. And it just seems like the more the app can do, the slower and more sluggish and just overworked it gets. And it becomes more of a, a hassle and a hindrance than an actual like joy to use, but I am seeing now with the newer tools that are being developed, like I'm primarily a designer. So things that I've been using a lot lately, you know, things like Figma, for everything that it can do, it is still really zippy, even in a browser, even in the desktop app. So I'm assuming that kind of those new technologies and that kind of speed is what we can also see in Smart SmartSuite.
2: It is. Yeah. Let me give you a great story. You're very familiar with ClickUp and ClickUp is known for, Lots and lots of features. They're very feature rich, right? What ClickUp is also known for is it can be a little buggy and it it gets slow at times, right? They're working. They've been working on their new architecture for some time. That's pretty typical of a startup company. What happened at ClickUp is they basically did their MVP and customers started coming in in the thousands right to use their product. They started adding more features, more features. All of a sudden they look back and said, maybe the architecture that we have is not the best architecture long-term to support all these customers that we have, right? With SmartSuite, we had the luxury of saying, we're gonna take the first two years and build the architecture with all this knowledge that we have and build it right. And the reason we didn't bring in customers was because if we brought customers in during that journey, they would have said, we need this feature and that feature. And we would have said, okay, we're gonna add this feature and that feature and not build the architecture in a way that supports what we need long-term. So the reason Suite is fast, right now is that our architecture was, you know, we gave the developers the time to build the architecture that they felt we needed to support the volume of customers that we want long-term. And we, most startups don't have that luxury. We're in a very different place with me being able to yeah. fund the company than a normal, you even take Airtable, you know, another great example that you mentioned, uh, you know, they, I'm sure they had some bootstrap, but they, you know, they had to go raise funds and with raising that money comes, you know, things that you need to do or prove. And it's not right. You can't spend the time maybe to build the architecture the way you want. You're, you got to go focus on customers faster.
0: Well, yeah, you're talking about the difference between like people like Elon Musk complain that, our stock-based economies and the big companies have to focus so much on the short term because that's how the stockholders are there. Exactly. When you're private, you can go long-term because who is my money? Whatever, dude. I mean, that's... And I I think that's that's what you're ultimately getting at. And I think that's amazing. And that gives you such a long-term trajectory. But you still have a runway, right? Eventually, those customers have to come in, right? Because yeah, oh, exactly. you're, you're not <laughs> writing those checks forever.
2: Exactly.
0: I want I want to turn the conversation a little bit. I want to... There's two main things that immediately come to mind. One, I want to nerd out about low code for a moment. And then two, I want to, to, with your blessing, I want to nerd out about uh, your tech stack for a minute because that's just inherently fascinating. Um, (laughs) Maybe that won't ever make the podcast because that's super boring, but I'm very curious. But I want to talk about low code, no code. Because we talk about this. I mean, we're custom software developers. That's what we do. We build apps. We build uh, software for people. And so people ask us regularly, "Hey, are you scared of no code, low code?" So far, no, um, because what we do and what that that kind of code does is is a little different. So I'm going to ask you that that line. So if I'm using SmartSuite and I'm you know I'm really digging it and I'm using it for all my stuff, and I am a custom soap maker. I I always use soap. I don't know why. I'm making, but I'm managing my soap company, and I want to do something very unique. And I don't know what that would be right off the top of my head, but something very unique. That's only for the soap thing. I'm outside of, you got your 44 different templates or, or, or whatever. It was more than that, um, that you have built and you guys have done a great job of doing that. But I, I, I need something different. How do I do that? Can I do that with you? Do you have some sort of lift up the hood and dive in and get something crazy in there? Or do you just say, well, go use Zapier or something like that?
2: Now we, so about 40% of our customers that come in currently are using us to build out processes that they have inside of their company already, they're, whether it's small business, large business, that they're happy with. They just need to move to a new platform for various reasons that are there, or they're moving off of a lot of uh, manual type things, spreadsheets and type things that they're using. That, that even goes with, we onboarded a Fortune 500 company still using spreadsheets to run a $53 billion real estate business, <laughs> right? So that that's still happening uh, today. Um, lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, but no code is, w- when you wanna build out and model out a business process, no code allows you to do that in a drag and drop fashion that allows the person that knows the process to actually build the process without the need for an actual developer that's there. So about 40% of our customers use that. We provide eight hours of onboarding time for any customer that comes on board to get them started. And people are amazed at what we do in a day with you know, one or two of our onboarding people compared to what they could build for months and months you know, using a developer uh, that's there. So we get people running really fast. We then have a pretty robust partner network with even people like yourself, like your company, that provide their services back to our customers. And those services range from business process automation experts, where they're saying, hey, I just want to listen to your process we're going to just model that out on how that should be optimally you know done and then we're going to use a tool like smart suite and we're going to you know configure that to support the process that you have and then we have people like yourself that are really good on the integration side that say okay now we've built this we need to integrate with four systems most people who use zapier or make you can set things up in 15 20 minutes to do what used to take a week of developers time but there's still times where there are companies that have apis to internal systems where zapier and make just it's not available, right? You just have to build those in. So you use our API to actually make the uh, the connection that's there.
0: Do you guys do like web hooks and stuff like that to other yeah. external?
2: Yeah.
1: Very cool. Um, yeah. In the uh, no-code space, right. I was just going to chime in on the no-code no space. We do use products that are no-code. Like we use Webflow for websites and marketing sites. And we use Zapier for connections and things like that. Um, I noticed your you website was built in Webflow, which... Awesome. Thank you. I love that tool.
2: It is. I I don't think you can be a no code platform and not use other no code, low code tools
1: in your your overall
2: tech stack. Right. So we were we started using Webflow when they were still pretty new. Uh, We connected with uh, one of their partners that was actually in Serbia, of all places, uh, went over and met with him. He was all of 22 years old and was one of the top partners. They did the Upwork site and that's how we found them. Um, And I just realized, like, that's the new generation. This was a young kid, 22, with an agency of 30 people, because he was so good at Webflow, he was just crushing it. I don't know how many they have now, um, but I'm sure they're double or triple that size in the last couple of years. And Webflow is a great, easy product to use to uh, build a pretty complex website in not a lot of time. Gary's a big big fan.
1: Well, you wanted to go into their tech stack, and I just thought I'd mention those.
0: No, that's fine. No, I've just, so, okay. So the, you, if I run into a wall and I need, like if I need to connect to one of the things that we tell our clients is don't reinvent the wheel, right? So if we have, if you want accounting, don't build an accounting software, go use one. Cause they're, you know, $10 million apps. You don't need to spend that, go use it. So if I needed to, I've been, you know, using your stuff and I've got an e-commerce site. My guess is I have a let's say Shopify, because everyone uses Shopify. Uh-huh. I'm a guessing there's some sort of integration into y'all from Shopify. There is. Is that yeah? Yeah. So, so if I sell a widget on Shopify, it trickles down to you. But I need to do something special with this to talk to my inventory system. So I need to use a webhook to go and do that because you know I'm using Profit 21 or something crazy. Um, or and then finally I need to talk to QuickBooks. Right. Those things are just we're dropping those things off on onto their plates. That's and you guys sit in the middle. That's generally speaking
2: we, we do. So think of SmartSuite as we want to connect all these things together as easy as we can for you so you can run your business. So most no code tools will have this new term called automations and automation is just a fancy word for saying we've made it easy with triggers and actions for you to go in and drag and drop and set up connections between other products. So we do that inside of our own product to create new records when certain events happen to change statuses, send emails, all kinds of cool stuff. Then we have a native stack of about 20 integrations that our customers have asked for, nine of those that we have released so far. The other 11 are coming in the next two to three months that are there, but that's like Salesforce and Intercom, the Google Suite, the Microsoft Suite, Microsoft Teams, Zendesk, HubSpot, you know, all of those. So. What we're trying to say is we're going to give you the basics right out of the box. There's no additional fee. You don't have to go to Zapier or Make and pay a monthly fee for these integrations. That's included in your price with suite But if you need kind of that next level support, maybe Zapier or Make might even be better for you in certain cases outside of this core 20 cuz if you look at Zapier, they have connections to 5000 other products. We have 20, right? but we we do those 20 really well and we integrate with Zapier really well and we have webhooks you know all these cool things that just makes the integration it's a non conversation at this point with most companies that problem is being solved or has been solved and we can move off you know move on to kind of the next conversation that wasn't the same 3 years ago but we're not that's not something that holds us back as a company talking about integrations with someone
0: very cool all right and so now it's time for me in our last few minutes, I want to nerd out for a second. So what is this tech stack that you guys are built in?
2: Yeah, so we're React on the front end. We use a okay. combination of Mongo and Postgres. You know, different databases on the back to kind mm-hmm. of depends on the data that we're pulling and our need and how fast we need to pull that. We do a lot of cool things that we think with Mongo and Postgres and of. Uh, you know, pull in a little bit of information for both at the same time to put things on the page. Sub-second is what we try to do, even for really large uh, record sets that are there. We use Auth0 for kind of all the authentication needs and single sign-on and, and types around the outside. We use FileStack for, um, you know, all the file storage. And, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with FileStack. They're really efficient at allowing you to upload files, compress those, move them around, save them. Most of the big players in the no code space are using file stack or one of their competitors that's there. You don't, uh, that's not something that was available five years ago that you would write that yourselves. So that's a great example of that's something that's available that does things so fast. The same with Autho on the authentication, you don't have to write all that stuff yourself. There's industry leading companies like OAuth that allow you to, uh, to use their, their text. Now,
0: is that you're calling it author? I've always called that auth zero. Is that the same Auth0, thing? Zero. Yeah. That's fine. I was just wanting to make sure when I've looked at that for clients, it's really pricey once you get to real numbers. Like it, it was it's hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars a month. And so yeah. that's where we were all like, dude, whoa, it's cool,
2: but wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it it's nowhere close to that for us. Kind of, I guess depends on your use cases that's there. So all the authentication inside of our product happens through their servers, right? And then they mm-hmm. have all the certifications that people need to make sure whether you're a government entity or, uh, you know, need HIP- HIPAA compliance, like all that's care mm-hmm. of. They also allow you to enable single sign-on for things. So now we have clients that we can just turn that on for, uh, on and on. They allow tokens, not just API keys. So we don't have to, you know, it's the most secure way for us to pass data around. And then we use AWS for our hosting and a whole host of it take twenty minutes to tell you all the technologies yeah. on agent. all the gizmos
0: in, in that toolbox, yeah. Do What is your backend language? I heard React on the front. Are you using Node on the back, or are you using
2: uh, uh, Python and Node? Yeah, Python and Node.
0: Very cool. Um, I always it's always fascinating to me. We generally build. We have two types of clients. We use a lot of React. We have some Angular, but on the back end, some of our clients are Microsoft shops, and they're married to them. For whatever reason, yep. and so we have .NET. That's my home. That's where I nerded out for 20 years, and then we have people who don't care that <laughs> they're all Node. That's right. generally how it splits, and generally it's it's Postgres and um, SQL Server, depending. Again, if you've been married to them and you've been using Azure, or you're a huge enterprise, I mean that's where Microsoft lives, and so. That's my home, and so it never was a problem. As a consultancy, that became a, one of our uniqueer features because a lot of those guys are like, we don't touch Microsoft. For whatever religious reason, Microsoft was evil and had been labeled as such. And we're like, no, we do it fine, it's great. And, uh, but Azure is a, a wonderful platform, but we use both uh, depending on the needs. Um, well, so, okay, I don't want to waste your time. I know we only have you for an hour. I want to make sure that anyone who's interested in Smart Suite. Um has the ability. I mean, it's clearly smartsuite.com, right? Um, but how else, if they had questions and they wanted to, I mean, obviously they're not reaching out to you specifically, but how would they get in, you know, entrenched in learning more about you guys?
1: Yeah, what's the easiest way to become quickly more informed about the product and the benefits that it has for their company?
2: Yep, I'll give you a couple ways. You just go to smartsuite.com and and start a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. At the end of 14 days, if you don't want to move to a paid plan, it just moves to a three user free forever plan. So we try to make that part easy for you to try it out. But in the bottom right hand corner of the website and every page in the product, there's a little icon that you can click on that opens up a direct chat with a member of our onboarding team right then. We typically answer questions in less than 45 minutes. A lot of times it's right now, but our average is 45 minutes. So pretty fast that's there. And then we have all kinds of guides and videos that are there there's two specific um, uh, video producers that have produced video content about SmartSuite. I don't know if you know Gap Consulting with Gareth Provenost. Um, He is a big, has been an Airtable expert for quite a number of years. He did a review of SmartSuite and then brought it in-house and said, now I'm SmartSuite and Airtable. He produced quite a number of videos to explaining why And if you're an Airtable user, it's really great because he just kind of lays out, here's when you'd use Airtable, here's when you might want to use SmartSuite. Um, I don't know if you know Layla from Process Driven. She is kind of the ClickUp person. She has about 30,000 followers from ClickUp. We asked her to do a review a couple of months ago. She did the same thing. And she changed her business model to include SmartSuite. And she now does a weekly video on us, and she did a SmartSuite versus Airtable. So those are great non-biased videos from kind of some leaders to help you understand, you know, when ClickUp or SmartSuite might be the best, uh, best product for you.
1: Those are some of the best ways I have found to kind of take a look behind the, the hood of newer products, especially like everything I learned in Notion, when I was using Notion was through videos for YouTube and ClickUp. I still, there's so much in ClickUp that I don't use that if I need to start, I'll look for videos, but yeah, um, having, Prominent reviewers go through and, and kind of give your product a thumbs up. That has to be a like you said, that, that has to start bringing in some some new subscribers pretty quickly. Yeah, I would
2: assume you say we do no outbound marketing. We do no paid marketing as an organization. We average about 150 signups a day, and it, most of those are coming through LinkedIn and YouTube videos from people just finding us and sharing information. We don't pay for those it just happens kind of coming back. So that's kind of the new world of SaaS products and no code is just the word of mouth uh, is the most effective way to market some of these products.
0: Very cool. So, oh, I I had a quick question. So the bottom right corner, you said there's a little chat thing. Is that y'all or is that like intercom?
2: That's intercom, yep. So you you just pop up the intercom modal. Um, Another great product that we have across our tech stack anywhere that you interact with us, you're going to find intercom uh, there as well. I
0: was just wondering you had mentioned that. I was just wondering if that was one of the ones you had taken over. Cause I, I find intercom very fascinating. Um, okay. Well, thank you so very much for joining us. This is man. This gets right in my wheelhouse. I love this stuff. Gary, if there was anything, anyone want to ask us about the podcast or anything we've talked about here, how would they get in touch with us?
1: They can email us at hello at the dot net, or they could comment underneath the video on YouTube, or they can connect with us through any of our social media channels LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all of them. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you again, John. This has been really great. I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know,
1: I think I'm going to have to convince David to do the 14 day trial. So exactly, we, we love. I just
0: program. I just paid for another year of ClickUp. You cannot know,
1: I, but if know it's what? a shiny new thing, it's a shiny You're new a thing. you
2: sign up with us, and we'll waive the fees for the amount of time in your current ClickUp.
1: Oh man, someone need, keep that little little we're marker. We're easy. still recording, John. We're still recording. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> nah, right I, I, love I love it. I love hard sell.
0: Yeah. Um, i the, the truth of the matter is when we were choosing ClickUp, and we, and we tried them all right at the time this was two years ago or something so all the ones that we could find we tried and my team got so mad at me because i kept signing up for all these trials like dude i can't get any work done stop yeah. it So it, it was I more might, or I less a, just
1: pick one already type yeah deal. just not it. this is the best it's just 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 pick one <laughs>
0: Now they so. did like there was a vote we had a vote anyway okay. thank you so much for joining us
2: all right it's been a pleasure thank you